Hey guys, welcome back to Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead. I'm your host, Jordan Halstead. And today I've got some friends with me, uh, with Micah and Alicia. You guys are back. We're running through Harry Potter and I'm so excited to have you guys here. Um, but we also have a special guest with my friend, Anna. Anna, this is your first time on the show. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the thing I want to start by asking is what got you into Harry Potter? Well, I actually started watching the movies first because I was raised in a family where we didn't we didn't talk about Harry Potter. It was not appropriate. Um, it was not something that I was ever allowed to read growing up. Um, okay. Also, have, having gone to a small uh, Christian school for most of my education, that was it was just off limits. You just didn't bring it up. Um, and then when I was in um, when I was in college, the last movie came out and it was a really really big deal for a lot of my friends and they were very shocked that I had met, I didn't I didn't know anything about it I mean I knew it was popular but I didn't know I didn't know anything about it so um my sister actually had all the books so I started and I thought well I'm gonna I don't have time for books right now I will I'll watch the movies first so I started with the first few movies and I'm like okay there has to be more to this this is such a good story and so yeah. my sister had the entire set of books. And so then I started reading them and couldn't stop reading them. And now I have reread the books many, many, many times. In fact, if I'm just in the mood to read, that's probably what I'm going to reach for. We have everything <laughs> on audiobook as well. Um, I listen to them frequently as I'm editing. And um, yeah, so it's just. How many times How many times would you say that you've read the books, Anna? Like all um, of I would say probably easily five to six times all the way through nice. in the last five or six years. Alicia, how many times have you read them? Two or three? Two. Okay. Just twice. They're a lot, especially the, the further you get into the books. Like there's a reason the last movie or the last book is split into two movies. That yeah. last book is, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. huge. Yeah. Well, and so... Part of, part of my Harry Potter journey is I sold my books uh, a few years back and I've been rebuying them in the illustrated editions. And so this month, uh, The Order of the Phoenix, which is what we're talking about today, uh, is being re-released in the Jim K edition. So I'm like, yes, I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited to see where, where the story's going and like what he's going to imagine. Because, I mean, we know the story. So those of us who've read it, we're like, okay, what is his take going to look like? How are we going to see uh, Creature be drawn how are we going to see all these different aspects of this it, i mean it's just going to be vastly different than what we've seen in the past I'm, I'm really excited to see it so um so we're talking order of the phoenix and i want to know we need to starting find, out before we go any further we need to find out what house anna is in this you is know what i have to ask that yes big deal here anna what house are you a ravenclaw yeah hey represent <laughs> I, uh, I, we, we were talking about this and we, we've had a few different guests on. And so we always try to ask you like, Hey, where are you at housewise? And so, uh, I'm, I'm a Gryffindor myself, but there was one time where I didn't hit Gryffindor and it threw me in Ravenclaw. So I have mad respect for my Ravenclaw people, um, down with Slytherin. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and I can't say that when I get Morgan on here for, for our next episode, because Morgan is a Slytherin and she would be all over me for that. And I'm glad that we do this over zoom. You know, what is, who was your favorite character? 
So, you know, we've grown with these characters. We've seen Ron and Harry and Hermione. We've seen Dumbledore. We've seen Hagrid. We've seen even Draco Malfoy start to grow as characters. You start to like them more. You like to despise them more. Um, there's different characters as it's happening that you're getting more and more introduced to. And so let's start with this, Anna. Who is your favorite character in this book? In Order of the Phoenix. I actually really like Sirius Black. I think he's my favorite. In, Represent. In, because, you know, he's, he's had his issues. He's gone through a lot of things. And, you know, he's been, he's not been part of their, he's not been part of their friend group for a long time, especially in the, the generation that is older than Harry and Hermione and Ron and in the previous order of the Phoenix. And, you know, he's been out of the loop a long time and now he's back and he's starting to assert himself again. And he thinks that they're ready for it. He thinks that he believes in, he believes in this younger generation a lot more than everybody else does. He doesn't discount their knowledge. He doesn't look down on them because they're younger and less mature. And so I just really think he's a, he's an, not an underplayed character. That's not the word I'm looking for, but he's a, and oh my gosh, my mind's gone blank. And just underappreciated. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you there. That's, that's who I typically go with, with this book. Cause I, I think that he, I feel is the glue in this book. Like yeah. he just, he's that underlying piece. You don't see the glue when you're putting two pieces of paper together. You just see that, hey, there's two things that are happening, just happen to be stuck together. And I feel like he's that glue because he helps with Harry and his story. And you see a little bit here and there. And then just the whole way he, he, he bridges that gap between the two orders because the old order, the old guard are there. And then you have kind of the reimagining with Dumbledore's army and like he kind of helps bridge that with Harry of, hey, you need to be at this. You need to help do this. Hey, here's the information you need to know. And I mean, he's kind of been that way even in Goblet of Fire in the books, at least, of, hey, I'm keeping tabs on you. Um, I'm making sure you're okay. And, and just to have that piece that I, I love that. I think Sirius is just so underrated and so underappreciated as a character. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you there. Alicia, what are your thoughts? Well, I love the introduction to Luna. Um, I just think she's such, I, when I see a weirdo, I'm like, oh, that's my heart. Cause I, I, I feel like I'm such a weirdo. Um, so I, I like, I love the introduction of Luna, but I have love that we're getting more of Neville. Like Neville really is starting to grow, like really starting to gain more confidence in himself. Um, and I, I love, because he's a nerd again, here I am loving the nerds. Um, uh, well, you know, you know who I'm married to, Jordan. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason we call this nerd talk. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I love that we're seeing him kind of grow in his confidence. He's really starting to believe in himself more. I love that. I think that he started that in Goblet of Fire in the book, but then in the movie, it really starts to show in the movie. Absolutely. Um, it, with, with Order of the Phoenix. I think that's where, because I feel like when we hit Goblet of Fire, that was a point where a lot of things start shifting from the book they were in into the following movie because like mm -hmm. we're gonna start to see romances we're gonna start to see different just the interchanging pieces that it's like that wasn't in this book that was in the book before um and i think that some of neville's progression 
really starts in Goblet of Fire, but we see it in the movie in Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, completely agree. Micah, who is your favorite character after watching this film? I mean, I feel like you guys named some new characters uh, for the ladies on this on this episode, but like I, I think I shared in either the Prisoner of Azkaban episode that we did or the Chamber of Secrets episode that we did. But like, you know, looking back on when these movies are filmed, and then you know we're kind of on this journey, and Alicia and I are you know we're a year apart, but like we we grew up and we're about the same age, if not a little bit older than the the, the main you know the main three, um, Harry, Hermione, and Ron, but like. I I said it in one of those episodes, but like other than the Beauty and the Beast reboot, I've not seen Emma Watson in a lot of things, but like to see her progression throughout the entire story of the Harry Potter franchise has just been fantastic to see her grow as an actress in each movie. Um, and I, I think I would just go with Hermione with that answer because her evolution and her character and just like, it's cool to see them all kind of age uh, throughout the films, but I think her... Uh, her sarcasm, her wit, her, you know, her short temperedness, all of the above, right? Just the way that she is uh, really resonates with me. I mean, I feel like I'm impatient like she is. So <laughs> probably Hermione. Can I throw another one out there? Absolutely. And, and this one has been for me over the last few years. Since I've become a mom, another one that really stands out to me in this book is Molly Weasley. Because Ooh, you know, she's yeah. been kind of the, I love Molly. I do too. I think she's incredible, but you know, she's kind of presented as this oddball and you know, she's the crazy lady with all the kids and she makes all their stuff, you know? Um, but I, you really see her step up to the plate and she has taken on this role of no, he's mine too. And I will protect him at all costs. And you see that mama bear sort of come out in her for someone who is not even her own child. And I, I love that aspect because you know, for so many, for so many people, their family is not their blood family. It is their family. Chosen family. Yes. Yeah. And I just really, I love that aspect of it. And I love seeing how um, she really gets a little, a little bit more of the spotlight in this movie than she has in previous movies. And um, just simply because of her mom instincts towards Harry. Yeah. And I think, oh, absolutely. and I think Anna liked that, um, you know, Jordan and I can relate to that, both being pastors and pastors. Um, and, and Alicia, too, you know, growing up, her dad was in the military. Like, we, you cho the chosen family is your family, right? Like, Jordan and I talk pretty much every single day. We, we live yeah. 1,200 miles apart. We used to live a lot closer, but, you know, uh, your family is who you are, uh, the people that you spend the most time with, especially in ministry. So, like, it's, uh, it's a true story or a true statement. Well, True story as well. Well, true story. Um, I said that. And I was like, wow, well, that <laughs> sounded kind of weird. So true statement by Anna. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I I completely agree with that. Molly Weasley, I did not realize because I'm currently listening to the audiobook of Goblet of Fire. And so as I'm listening to it, I'm at a point where Draco Malfoy is like, your porky mother is on the front page. And like, I forgot how many jabs like she takes, she takes a lot of heat from the Daily Prophet to the people who are messing. Like she's like the the, the epitome of the your mom jokes. Um, like she's the one that's always getting the seat, whether she knows it or not. But then like she also sends the howler in the Chamber of Secrets. Like she is so invested in her kids' lives. And I sit back and I'm like, 
this is a character like none other. I always look at Arthur Weasley because I think that he's a great character. Um, my favorite line that he's ever said is, what is the function of a rubber duck? Um, just the pure enthusiasm in Chamber of Secrets. I love that. Um, but yeah, no, as a parent, I totally get the the Molly uh, Weasley piece. I That's awesome. Love it. Another unsung hero I will say that I've fallen in love with is Tonks. Um, Tonks just kind of, she's not real big in the stories, but it's just like that she marries Lupin later on. Um, she she is done really, really well. And like, I've seen Game of Thrones. So like the actress comes in and like, I'm like, wait, no, that's Tonks. Like, I'm like waiting for her to like change her face into like a duck's bill and all that. Like, I was just waiting for that in Game of Thrones when I saw it. I was like, wait, what? This is weird. Um, but no, I think that Tonks is a great character. She's kind of like comedic relief when they're in the very serious moments. Um, because like Jenny needs something to keep her mind off the war that's now there so that's yeah the, the, this book brought in some big hitters and i think that the reason these hitters came in in the way that they did was because if you look how she wrote them this is the point where she's already gone from four backwards to one because she wrote them backwards starting at book four and now she's having to go forward and so it's now going as you should write books not how J.K. Rowling originally started. So I think I think it's a great step forward. It was this is my favorite book of them all. So there's another character though that we have to dive in on, and we all love to hate her. Her name is Dolores Umbridge. She is part of the Ministry of Magic. She comes in as the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. What are your guys' thoughts on Dolores Umbridge? And uh, Anna, let's go ahead and start with you. Okay, so I actually really love the, I actually love her character. I think she's very well developed um, in the story, but I also love the, just the ugliness in her. She's the villain of the story and she's so good at it. And then I, I will say, I think that the actress who plays her in the movie is just, she's outstanding. I love her. Oh, she's amazing. She's and I think this may be my favorite character that she has that she's ever played. Um, but you know, we see we see different aspects of this defense against the, the dark arts position in every single book. And yeah, there's there's weird things with every one of them. They all have their their quirkiness, but she is just downright awful. And not in a magical sort of way. It is just in a downright ugly sort of way like she is ugly to the depths of her soul and I think that is that's that's where we really start to see how deep this goes it is not just yeah okay Voldemort's coming back okay whatever no like we start to see this is this goes far deeper than just the Death Eaters and Voldemort side of the story it's deeply ingrained in the Ministry of Magic in ways that we've not seen so far in the story and it got, it went from, okay, he's coming back to find Harry to, oh no, this goes far deeper. It's much bigger than they ever thought. And I think, you know, for the first time we see that, you know, Hogwarts has always been a safe space for them, but she came in and promptly took over and turned everything up on its end and no one was prepared for that. I think what's really cool is the foreshadowing effect that this story with her uprooting Hogwarts has in Deathly Hollows because they were prepared. 
there's a completely different side. And I think that this was the stepping stone that had to do that. Would you say that with, because I, I mean, Dolores Umbridge is downright evil. There's, there's no if, ands, or buts about that. She is, she's a hostile and terrible character. Um, I love to hate her. That's one of those characters that I just, I'm like, I enjoy not liking her. Like, and I don't like that to say that as a pastor. Like, I don't like to ever be like, man, I can't stand that person. I enjoy like not standing that person. Like I would never want to be that kind of person, but to sit back and be like, this is a character that is real. Like I see the realism of, oh, they're picking on me. Like from a school kid perspective, um, going in and having those, it's like, wait, oh wait, she wrote this character hard. And we talked about this in a past episode. Um, but would you say that it, she's also kind of writing when JK Rowling wrote this, that she's writing it to the point that evil is not a person, but is just a thing that many people are. That way it's not like, hey, it's only Voldemort. If we can take out Voldemort and the Death Eaters, like evil's eradicated. Like, do you think that she created this character that way? So that way it's not just solely on Voldemort because like, I don't think Dolores Umbridge would have sided with Voldemort. I don't think that there's that. I think it's just kind of like a, there's just a lot of bad out there. Would you guys agree with that one? she's a very she's selfish she was out for whatever could could to make her rise above everyone else whatever way you went with that whether that was the good or the bad she was going to go that route well i think i would even go one step further i think she's playing character wise a politician role that like because she is a ministry of magic worker that she's using this like jk rowling wrote her to kind of attack the government kind of thing like like she's saying hey, there's evil people who are still doing the, the right thing. Um, they're doing the wrong things for the right reason. Um, things like that. I think, I think there's a lot that we can, we can pull out from this character and to see on that. So, Alicia, what are your thoughts about Dolores? Or, sorry, Professor Umbridge. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> the, I mean, the, the, the eye roll. <laughs> I, she, she is one that I love to hate. Like, it just... It, and so this is the movie that we start I mean, we've been seeing evil before like i feel like this is when we're really starting to see more of the evil come out and i do it, literally the only redeeming quality about her is the fact that she likes cats but like I, it, literally i think that's the only thing and you know she makes me want to like hate the color pink like everything about her like and you're like anna you're right like she's to the depths of her soul she is just like she's evil she's dark her outward appearance is not reflective of her inward appearance at all um but the fact that she like walks around in those pink i just ugh, i don't know i again i love to hate her um which is funny because like i i'm pretty sure this is my favorite book and movie and for somebody to be in there that i absolutely detest i find very odd but i do love to hate her do you think that it's your favorite because you have someone that made it memorable? That like, know. it's not just the the series villain where it's like, oh, every book except for Prisoner of Azkaban has Voldemort directly tied, like not just thrown as a name, but directly mm-hmm. tied. Cause he wasn't really even in Prisoner of Azkaban, correct? Like that was the one book in the series where he didn't show up in any fashion. And so you go in and you look at this and like, yeah, Voldemort's kind of going to be in this, but he's not the, ba- the bad guy in this. And you're like, wait, time out. He's supposed to be this overarching bad guy. And Umbridge just shows up and you're like, wait, ooh, 
who is this? Maybe like it's just because it was super satisfying when she gets carried off by the by, by Grop and the <laughs> like, centaurs. I mean, and... and maybe and <laughs> maybe it's because they like they understood that she she had it so set in her mind that there was no Voldemort and he wasn't back that they really had to kind of take things into their own hands to to learn to learn how to defend themselves to learn uh, because she wasn't going to teach them that and so maybe that's why I feel like she's a she was a really good villain but they did everything they could to overcome it Mm. Micah from having seen the movie because you know you've not read books and whatnot but from seeing this movie what are your thoughts of Dolores Umbridge yeah so with Dolores, I think that, you know, we talk about other villains and other shows and other movies and other franchises and other, other universes, like, you know, uh, Heath Ledger's The Joker comes to mind, right? Like, they're so good at being bad that you you can't get enough of it, right? Like, I remember in yeah. oh, yeah. other episodes, like, when we did the Dark Knight uh, trilogy and we talked about the Dark Knight specifically, like, that summer, I was broke. I was a broke college student because I went and saw the dark Knight like every single week in theaters when, <laughs> when I came out and, and partially, yes, Christian Bale was a great Batman and whatnot, but Heath Ledger's the Joker was just undeniably, you know, one of well, the it was a yin to yang situation. Like it wasn't like one, it wasn't just like, Hey, this is a Batman movie. No, this was a Joker movie as much as it was a Batman. Right. And so, and so yeah. Yeah. So like my point and all that back coming back to Harry Potter is that when you get a character that can be so bad that you, you're invested. That's kind of how I felt about it. Like, you're like, wait, how can somebody be that evil? But then you're like, wait, is this like a, <laughs> it's almost like NCIS when somebody's like, you know, that evil, like there's, you know, you know, we talk about, you know, people that are, that do heinous crimes and whatnot. And I'm not saying that like, this is the case for Harry Potter, but like she makes you believe in her character and her role. And that's really um, what I'm trying to get, you know, with the point of, you know, we talk about Thanos and we talk about Darth Vader and we talk about the Joker. Like this is, she's kind of that within the, you know, within the Harry Potter universe or an example of that within the Harry Potter universe. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like you guys have just nailed it. She's just someone we love to hate. And I feel like it's okay to say that. Did you, <laughs> so, did you share? Did you share Jordan? Well, I've kind of hopped into conversations. I, I personally don't care for her as a character, like, like her character and being, but I think she is so vital to the story that she she is a driving force in this book. Um, it progresses into Dumbledore's army. It progresses for them to go after things and for them to break rules and for them, like in the movie alone, I love the scene and the music that plays when they're going into the room of requirement and they're trying to get everything figured out. Like, I just love that that piece when they're, when they're all practicing. And I just love that. And then- the most satisfying part when uh, Fred and George leave and they are shooting the, the like bangers and the, the fireworks are all going, it takes out the whole wall of all of her decrees. Yeah. Who puts decrees at school? Come on. Like that decree 93 says that I'm like, no, 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 no. Get that out of here. Like I, I was the rule breaker in high school. I've in junior high, I probably got more detentions than I should have in Thursday schools and all that. Like I, it was ridiculous how much trouble I was present. But I'm like, when when I look at it, I'm like, I would never have followed all those rules. I would have probably tried to get into Dumbledore's army. I would have tried to get into all this stuff, um, which was was really cool. Um, 
so let's talk a little bit about Dumbledore's army. What did you guys think about them having to go into this? Um, we kind of talked about a little bit with, with Dolores kind of forcing that, but what did you think about how Harry kind of became a teacher? Um, did you like seeing him teaching everybody? Did you like seeing the spells and the, uh, like when they did the Expecto Patronum, um, when, they, when they do their Patronuses and all that, did you like seeing that visualized in the movies and the books? Did it make you like, what, what were you seeing when, when that stuff happened? I think I want to, I want to start this off, but yeah. like, you know, a kind of a question, an answer to your question with a question, Jordan, but like, because, is it because Harry's the chosen one that he gets all these opportunities? Um, because we talked about it, it a little bit in the in the last one, where you know he was chosen to be in the um, what was it? The, in the oh, in the Triwizard Tournament. Yes, like okay, he wasn't, so he wasn't there yet, but they chose him anyway, and like kind of the same thing in this movie with being a teacher. Well, the Goblet of Fire specifically was he was chosen because they were it. It was a trap from the from the very beginning. That was not a like he was because Cedric Diggory was the was the winner from Hogwarts and then someone threw his name in and they they rigged it so that way it would shoot his name out as well. So he was not supposed to be in that. That was because it was set up from the very start. This one, I think the reason he was chosen is because like, okay, this would be technically like his sophomore year in high school, the way that it, it's like designed, uh, if I understand it correctly, because it's seven years. So that's four years high school, three junior high. So it's like six, seventh, eight, ninth through 12th. So this would be like his sophomore year, but he has the most experience facing off against dark arts magic. Um, Cause you've got your first year where he was against Quirrell. Um, the second year when he goes into the chamber of secrets, third year he's with, with uh, Sirius Black and Peter uh, Pettigrew um, or Wormtail. Uh, you have uh, Dementors, you have like, he, he's been put in a lot of situations even with the Goblet of Fire and all the Triwizard tournament stuff. I think that he's the natural choice but I think it's this plot armor that goes into that. Well, I guess, I mean, I know it's his, it's his movie, right? His series and everything, but like, it, it makes you wonder like, oh, he's the favorite or whatever, but like, you know, how would, how would have Ron done in that circumstance or how would Hermione done in that circumstance? But, you know, I'll let other people share. I'm just, I was playing devil's advocate for a second. <laughs> well, I actually really like that question because I don't think I've ever thought about it from that perspective before, but I actually disagree. I don't think Harry's the natural choice to be the one to to be the teacher. Okay. I think if anybody was going to be the teacher, it would have been Hermione. Listen to her, Jordan. Listen to I, her. I want to hear this. I want to hear this. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. She has the most knowledge. She has the most. Um, she clearly reads way more books than either of those boys ever did in their entire. She read more in one year than they did in seven. Than they did the whole time they were at Hogwarts. Right. right, like she has the most knowledge. She is the most logical choice to be the teacher of everyone. However, Harry has the most street credibility because he's I think that's where it comes down to. Yeah, because he didn't want to be the teacher. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. He didn't. He didn't want that. He was even kind of mad that they all showed up because he thought they just were going to talk about Cedric's death. So it was really Hermione's doing from the beginning. It was her spurring this on, but because she didn't have the real world experience of fighting a Dementor. Yeah, she was there when Harry did it, but she had never actually cast a Patronus. She couldn't be the one to lead the class, but yet she still did. She was still a driving force, if you will. Or Dumbledore. Oh yeah. Well, I I would I 
would say that if you reimagined Harry Potter, just moving forward from like this spot, from where they're at, I think that the like he would be a great defense against the dark arts teacher, and she would be great as another teacher there. Um, like you could put her in potions, you could put her in transfiguration, you, you could put her literally in any of the different fields, and she would do great. But like Ron would be like your Hagrid. <laughs> to be honest like he, he he doesn't have like the street cred or the smarts but he is a vital part to their to their story and i think the three of them is what made dumbledore's army work but i think back to the natural choice it makes sense for hermione but the street cred is what that natural piece comes down to is because he's done it and they've seen him right. do it i think that's the only reason i would say natural choice there is just because he's done it now, Hermione, Hermione do what? Hermione is the most logical choice. Yes. Oh, absolutely. If, if it were to come down to Defense Against the Dark Arts Club, which is what Dumbledore's Army is, um, if you went in and kind of said, hey, Dolores isn't the issue that's going to come in and break this club up, I think Hermione could have been written in to start teaching other spells and say, you know, our first year here, we had to do Wingardium Leviosa and like, Ron did it and got a troll knocked out. Like, I think they could have continued that, but because Dolores broke up the, the club, if you will, like when she barges in, I think that's the issue that that really caused for her not to step up even more. Because, I mean, look at the spells that they, they were looking. They were like Expelliarmus, um, Stupefy, the uh, Expecto Patronum, like just some of those basic spells for Defense Against the Dark Arts. And th that's where Harry excels. I mean when we find out where he goes later in life, I mean, he's an Auror. So like that kind of stuff, it, it makes perfect sense because that kind of helped him down the way. So Alicia, what are your thoughts? I'm enjoying listening to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I like how they, how they created it. It, I think that it kind of forced, it forced Terry a little bit to, to do something that he wasn't exactly comfortable with. And sometimes those are the best teachers, the people who don't really see themselves as a teacher um, because, and again, because they have that experience, it makes them more credible. And Absolutely. not to bring, and not to bring Star Wars back into the, the, the equation, but like you were the chosen one. Harry was the freaking chosen one through this entire franchise. It's his, his books, his movies. Right. And so like every time he got put into a situation, it was almost like he didn't want to do it, but then, you know, it kind of, like Alicia's saying, uh, forced him outside of his comfort zone, which is kind of, I guess, kind of the point of the overall story. But like, it's just, it's amazing to see like, yeah, that's good writing though, right? Like he oh, yeah. starts, he starts out as somebody who's just, you know, he he is quote unquote the chosen one, but by the end of it, you know, he completely comes out of a shell and you know, be you know, he's able to evolve as a character, which is again just good storytelling, and um, it's it's great to see, but like. At times you're like, why? Why can't you do this? Why can't you just suck it up and make it, make a decision for the betterment of the team, right? Like he just, that's my struggle with Harry throughout the movies. Like, why can't he have the attitude of Hermione, right? Like, why can't he be more confident in who he is? But that's just me. So but he can't there's be more an... confident in who he is because he's never been made to be confident. Yeah, well. He's been beaten down his whole life. He spent most of the first part of his life stuck in a closet under the stairs. Yeah. yeah. Dang Dursleys. <laughs> and we will talk about the Dursleys even more 
when we hit the Deathly Hollows episode because there's a great theory that I want to hit on that one. So, uh, you know, we also have some storytelling in here that I personally loved, and it was the Grop storyline. Um, I think that Grop is this awesome character. I was so excited. Um, so I'm going to share my story real quick about this. When the movie came out, um, I had gotten home from, I think it was camp and or something like that. And my dad was busy with my brother. They had baseball or something that night or they were out of town. And it was just me and mom. And I said, listen, we've got to go see this movie. It's coming out literally tonight. And she's like, are you sure? Like you've been at camp all week or you've been at IYC or whatever it was that year. And I said, yeah, I definitely want to go. And so like, we made sure to like go to the drive-in because that was the coolest thing was being able to sit in your car and watch Harry Potter on the big screen. Like those screens were way bigger um, where we were from. And so we went out and got to just enjoy the movie. And I remember watching when they did Grop, I was like, okay, how are they going to do Grop? Because I've imagined this character. I've been reading this book. I love this one. I've probably reread this book five or six times already. I love this book. So how are they going to do Grop? And in the book, you see how like Hagrid finds out he has a brother and he chases down the, the trolls um, or no giants. They were giants, right? Um, and so he goes after uh, to find his mom and finds out that his mom's not there anymore, but then uh, he has a brother. And so he like brings him back, but then he sticks him in the forbidden forest right outside of his hut, like a little deep end. And I love that the fact that this year is probably the hardest year for Harry because they don't really talk too much about it, but this is the same year that Oliver Wood is not there anymore. So he has to pick up the Quidditch team. And so now he's the, the team captain. He is having to help make sure that him, Hermione, and I don't, did Ron, was Ron in, uh, in help with, with Grop at all? I don't think he had anything to do with Grop. So it was just, just Harry and Hermione. And then Ron had to help with the team because he, he took keeper. And then Jenny was on the team. Fred and George were on the team. So basically it was like Weasley's and Harry or, or, the, or the Quidditch team for Gryffindor. And I love how like all these pieces come in together and Harry has to kind of start pushing back and say, I've got too much on my plate, but I got to take care of this Grop guy. And then again, coming back to Dolores Umbridge, the end of like him picking her up and the centaur shooting at him. And he's just kind of like, no, leave me alone. Like I, I didn't do anything. And then drops her and the centaur take her away. Like, I love how much Grop is just so included because he's a character with almost no words or at least a little bit of words in the book. Like in, in the movie, they just have the, the bell from the bicycle. Um, what, what were you guys' thoughts of introducing Grop into the story and how they handled him? What did you guys think of that? Whoever wants to grab it, you guys are good. I thought they did a good job because, you know, you Hagrid's always been this giant misfit that didn't fit in anywhere and that didn't have a family. And um, you finally get to hear a little bit more backstory about him. But I thought it was really well done in in the movie because yeah, I don't really feel like I could really wrap my mind around what he looked like and who he was as well as what they did in the movie. I thought that was really, really well done. And I love that he, you know, even though he's not just a, the hugest part of the book, he had a really, really good part in the movie. And they, I thought they played that out really well in the movie. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Alicia? I like, 
one of my favorite things about movies and book series like this is that we get to know little by little we're getting to know different pieces about different characters like you know a good bit about Hagrid up to this point but to find out that he has like he has a sibling and just to kind of learn more about him I appreciate when they start doing that when they start going into these side characters so to speak and getting you you get to know them just a little bit and get get you more invested in the in the movie um, or the book as it as it were um honestly I think that they they did a good job I had a hard time imagining what Grop would be like and by just just the books um so I that's one thing I appreciate about things being translated to movies is when I don't have when my brain's not and I'm 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 a I'm a decently creative person when I'm not creative enough to really kind of imagine what something's like to be presented with something and then say, you know what, that is exactly how I would have done it if I would have been creative enough to do it. So I, I think they did a good job translating the character. You know, when, when I read the book, I think that I looked at it more troll, kind of. Um, somewhere between what we got and the troll from Sorcerer's Stone, um, I, I imagined a little bit more blue um, skin. For, for whatever reason, I just that's just where my mind went. He... He had more of the head that of like Grop, what they showed in the movie, versus like the small, tiny head on the massive body that was the troll. Um, like I didn't expect like like a Patrick Star like where he just like cones up. I didn't expect something like that, but I expected like something a little bit more like kind of like under the bridge kind of troll look. Um, just something that's a little bit more warty, something that's got the bumps and the bruises, and it's it's just like slower moving. Maybe had like a cloth on for like a big bigger cloth for like the the uh the chest area or maybe the like draped around kind of like tarzan like a loincloth kind of thing i expected something like that um but very big and i think that they handled it him very well in the movie um and created something for us micah what did you think of grop yeah i would agree like not reading the books and then hearing you guys describe it kind of i would i would think this the same thing where you you would think troll just just knowing um the backstory that was given i i just again i haven't read the book so i really can pour a lot of that context comparing that in but like uh something that i thought about when alicia was sharing was that like you know i've read the lord of the rings trilogy and i've seen the lord of the rings movies hundreds of times but like to see that stuff come to life is you know very fulfilling because you can imagine it but you know i could like can you guys imagine if they they wrote these books and they never did movies so it was all up to the imagination like what was <laughs> that's kind of like the you know it's the reverse of what Alicia said to see it come to life but like you just have to play off your own imagination right so like um troll is a good word for it and i like that so yeah i just it, that was just where i initially imagined him um i think that that character is is personally one of my favorite side characters because it's not someone you have to get deeply invested in because he really doesn't play much else in the the entire story um i think they they reference him um later on but they don't really show him and i i just i love the way that they brought him into the books because he's got so much more story in the book than he does in the movie but it's not by like it's not like worth a whole nother movie called harry potter 
presents Grop. Like, it's not like you get, like, a side story. Now, I would be totally down if we got a whole Grop movie and, like, he's swinging his axe or something like that. Or some, he's swinging Dolores on bridge, like, a slinging a stone or something like that. Like, I'd be totally down with that. Um, but with that character, I just, I love the, he was a Dobby for me in this, in this story. Like, I love Dobby. Um, I, I think that that kind of character, when you can bring someone who doesn't have a massive amount, but brings enough in that you fall in love with that character, those are some of my favorites. Um, because they just, it's that little bit of sprinkling of love into the book. Um, you just add that one step further, that little bit of pizzazz right on top. So um, the last thing that I, I, as we're starting to kind of wrap up with this, the last thing that I want to ask is, which did you prefer? And I know, Micah, you can't really speak into this, but which did you prefer, the book or the movie? And I, I have a feeling I know where this is going to go, but if you if you had to choose, like, am I going to take the time to go read the book right now or listen to it on audiobook, or if I was going to go watch the movie right now, which would you do? The movie. And, yeah, right there. I heard that one. I saw that coming. So, Alicia, wh where would you go? I don't know. Like, I, I'm very much a visual person. So I, like, my first instinct is to say movie, just because it's, one, it's easier. Like, you can just throw it on, on a streaming service. It's a lot quicker than oh, yeah. the book. But honestly, like, the book, this it was probably one of my favorite of the series and the books. Um, I just, I, I, I don't know. It just was my favorite. So I'm going to say book just because I think it was my favorite book. Yeah. the whole series. Anna, what about you? I am torn. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Alicia. I feel like um, I, I know what I do all the time because when I sit down to do something or if I'm cleaning or I'm doing whatever or the kids are in bed and I want to turn something on and the TV doesn't have anything on worth watching, I turn on Order of the Phoenix every time. The one I pick. That's every awesome. Time. And I, I do love I do love the movie very, very much. But a book will always trump a movie a thousand percent of the time because there is absolutely no way you get the entire story yeah. in in a movie versus a book. I mean, especially like when you talk about Half-Blood Prince, that, that's one where that becomes very, very evident because there is a ton of backstory in that book that's not even close to being presented in a movie. Absolutely. In fact, if you, if, I mean, I, I was very confused by some of the things in the movie and went because I watched the movie before I read the book and had to go back to the book and read it because I didn't know what was happening. I was confused. I mean, there's enough context in there you can follow with it, but you couldn't truly comprehend what actually takes place because it's not in there. And I, I just think you get more detail. You get more story in a book every single time. Obviously, because they can't make the movie like six hours long. So True. I would be okay with it. Not everyone. <laughs> one, one of the things we talked about on a previous episode was we were talking about if it was made today, this is where a, like a mini series, like how Disney Plus does their Marvel and Star Wars stuff now, this is where that would come into play so they can really hit the details and they can really grow this thing um, because there's just not enough space for the details that come into play. And I think, like we were saying earlier, they're having to fix some of the, the things that they missed in the, the previous movie and because they, they didn't add it from the book and they're like, oh, hey, we need to add Ron on the Quidditch team. 
So he wasn't in there on the Quidditch team in the book five or uh, movie five, but he was there book five. We need to, we need to fix that. Um, and the way that they do it, sometimes it helps, but again, movies are not near as good as the book. So I would say what I'm doing right now is I'm listening to the audiobooks. Um, I'm currently on Goblet of Fire. Uh, and so as soon as I'm done with this, I will be definitely picking up Order of the Phoenix. And I am so excited to get the Jim K illustrated edition this month. And that way I can start reading that one in person. Cause that's, that's one of my favorite books. Um, not just Harry Potter. This is in my probably top five books that I'll just sit down and read um, that are in the fiction realm. So, well, guys, thank you so much for being a part of this as our time is it's come to an end. Uh, for those of you guys who follow us on TikTok, we haven't been there for a little bit, but we will try to continue to push, push more uh, content out there. And so we will catch you guys here next time on Nerd Talk. Accio outro.